The Superpower Mamas channel is brought to you by Superpower Experts. Visit superpowerexperts.com to join the superpower universe and unlock your superpowers today. You're listening to Superpower Mamas, reclaiming the sacred journey of motherhood with Tatiana Berende. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Superpower Mamas podcast show. I'm your host, Tatiana Verande, and I have a dear sister with me here today, Jen Cormier, and we've got a heavy-hitting topic again for you all, but it's a good one and an important one. We're going to be talking about loss, death, and grief, and including kids in the conversation. Um, I know this is, this is up for a lot of people right now. How do we, how do we move through this ourselves if it hasn't been modeled for us? And then how do we, how do we talk about it with our kids? Um, so we're going to dive into that today. Let me tell you a little bit about Jen before we get started. Jen Cormier is a grief guide who brings 20 years of experience in the healing arts to clients who are moving through life transitions and loss. Jen is committed to the evolution of how we relate to death and walk with our grief. She's the creator of the Transform Your Grief Immersion Program, a unique holistic group program that addresses the physical, emotional, cognitive, creative, spiritual, and communal layers of each person. When we shift our perspective to include our body and spirit in our grieving process and see grief as our creative collaborator, we open the door to healing, transformation, and peace, says Jen. Jen brings a diverse array of voices and perspectives on living and loving after loss on her podcast, Walk Through Grief with Grace, which I had the good fortune to be on yesterday, which was fun and hard and good and all the rest. So I just want to welcome her with a really warm heart to the show. Thank you, Jen, so much for coming and sharing your wisdom with our audience this way today. I'm really glad you're here. Mm, thank you so much for that beautiful introduction, Tatiana. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there's a there's a lot to talk about here when we're when we're opening up this this doorway into loss, death, and grief, um, and bringing our kids into the fold. Jen and I, for for those of you who don't know, Jen, we actually lived together for a little bit of time out in San Diego together and our, our kids got to, got to be in the house together. Um, and, and so we will be talking about sort of how we have talked with our own kids about this topic. Um, but I don't really want to open up the doorway for that and then have to cut it off because of time. So Jen, I'm going to ask you um, your superpowers question, and then we're going to go to a quick break, and then we're going to really open up the conversation so we can really drop in um, and not have to cut it short. So before we go to break, will you share with our listeners what your superpowers are in this realm of grief and loss? Mm. What my superpowers are in the realm of grief and loss? Let's see. Um, you know, I think for me, it's coming to grief and loss as an artist and as a body practitioner. Um, I think that is my superpower because I, I approach it from that particular angle where um, 
a lot of practitioners um, and experts are approaching it from a cognitive place, a scholarly place, mm-hmm. uh, a therapeutic place, a psychological place, which are, are all beautiful and valid and needed. I'm coming to the table um, as, a, as a ceremonial artist, as a performing artist, as a dancer, um, as a mover, as a creator. And I'm bringing, you know, my, my background as a, as a somatic healer through therapeutic Pilates, through yoga therapy. I, I'm trained in four different lineages of yoga. <laughs> so I'm, I bring to the table this, you know, uh, this energetic energy moving through the body um, perspective because that's a, a missing piece, I think, for a lot of people who are stuck suffering in their grieving process. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been years and years and they've gone to bereavement groups and they have a therapist, but they're just really, you know, it's been eight years and they're still suffering. And what I've noticed over time with folks, um, I've been part of bereavement groups that are mainly talk-based. Yeah. And I think story medicine is so important being able to share our stories is so important and we can really get stuck in, in simply that layer of, of, of speaking and being in our minds. And what I notice, there's a a common thread through the people I've noticed who are really still heavy or feeling empty or feeling, you know, a lot of suffering on a daily basis um, many years later is the common denominator is they don't have um, a body practice. They're not moving. They're not getting body work and massage. They're not creating in their life. They they haven't found the support to really move themselves into their own next chapter. Yeah, they're um, in freeze mode. They're they're in freeze, and they've yeah. been in freeze for years. So, um, so I think that that is my superpower is really seeing the energetics in the body and bringing in also the creative element um so yeah we have we have to shed we have to shed through the body and then now we also need it's time to create and we can honor our grief process we can honor what's been lost with our own creative capacity yeah that's so beautiful and so so needed and i'm just i it's been awesome to watch you in your journey into this work and and yeah. how um correct it has felt every step of the way yeah um, you know i i had the good fortune to be living with jen when she took her first you know course on how to how to prepare a body after death and green burial and all of this and just watch her come alive from from that work and then um to watch you really like dive into it has just been so beautiful and so profound and i do think that all those gifts that you bring into it it's like you're so needed the medicine you bring and the way that you bring it is so needed in this space in this time right now so i'm really glad that you're that you're doing that work yeah, you know, thank you so much. And I think that the word that bubbled up when you were just sharing that is joy. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, when you would think, oh, she's, you know, gone to a home burial, <laughs> conscious dying, green funeral, you know, <laughs> like, oh, she's doing a final passages training, you know, um, you would think, and 
you know, when I talk to strangers, I say, oh, I'm, I'm doing mostly grief work now. They're like, oh, you know, they're like those sort of looks on people's faces, like kind of cringing and that must be dark or that must be hard. And it's like, no, actually there's a lot of joy in it because people move from really being like you're saying in that freeze or that stuck place. And when they start moving that energy through, there's a lot of creative potential. There's a lot of energy for living and for, you know, being in joy. So it's, I find it to be really joyful work. So I think that that is my superpower is to be, is to weave in, you know, all the things into grief and to see it as a, as a, as a tapestry or a basket that's not just dark and deep and sad and terrible, but mm. it's got all the joy and the life and the gratitude and the creativity, you know, woven in there as well. Yes. I love it. Okay. So we are going to go to break before we, before we go, will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your work? Yeah. If they want to listen to the walk through grief with grace podcast, you can find that on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And that would be a great way to, um, way to find me. You can also find me on my website, which is the same name as the podcast. It is walkthroughgriefwithgrace.com. Just all together, walkthroughgriefwithgrace.com. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, So we are talking with Jen Cormier about loss, death, and grief, including kids in the conversation. And yeah, we're going to dive in when we get back. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. If you're ready to transform yourself and transform the world through podcasting, we invite you to join us. We co-create a non-competitive, collaborative environment designed to support you as you step into your greatness. Go now to superpowerexperts.com and click on the Programs tab to get started today. Okay, so so this is a big one. It's a heavy one. Um, as I kind of alluded to before, you know, in the segment before break, I think a lot of people don't know how to talk to their kids about death because they themselves don't know how to feel about it. Um, so, so there's a whole Pandora's box that we can open up here in this conversation and many layers to it. And I'm sure we're not even going to address a fraction of them today in this conversation, but, um, I would just love to maybe just open the doorway for you to bring forward your perspective on, you know, I, I do think it's, it's kind of like, you know, I, I ran, ran sex, love and superpowers for, for almost four years. And it was like, um, the, the, the key thread when it comes to talking to your kids about sex is like, you have to start talking about it before it happens. Um, mm. way before you think you need to. And I, th- I think there's something similar when it comes to, to death also. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to, I'd love to hear your take on that. Mm. Yeah, I would agree. I think that death, um, you know, when I, I, I'm thinking back to when I was a child, preschool age, um, my mother was actually getting a, a master's degree in counseling and her um, 
her specialty was death and dying. Actually, she was writing her master's thesis. Yeah, she was, and I, yeah, we, she and I talked about that recently. She's like, you know, that was my master's. (laughs) And I remember we had a fish named Freddie, and uh, Freddie was a goldfish, and I remember him in his little bowl, and you know, he he died as fish do, and I remember him, you know, flipping upside down and starting to turn colors and getting a little black and brown spots. And um, part of her thesis, you know, she had me draw Freddie before when he was happy and alive and Freddie now after he died. And, you know, we, I, I drew pictures of him and she put them in her thesis and I, we flushed him down the toilet. I'm not sure what we did, but I, I, but I have a vivid memory of that. And I think, you know, the life of our pets, you know, that's, that is a, a segue in to, loss and grief with our children. And I, I just spoke to um, uh, a friend who, who works with families and children. um, And she shared that one of the biggest memories, and she still, it came up right away when she first was thinking about grief was her dog had, had died and her parents didn't tell her they brought him. They, they put the dog down and they told her, they lied to her and said, um, he ran away wow. and, and she still feels like this rage around that. And, and she was looking for the dog and going all around the neighborhood for weeks. And her cousin finally told her, you know, the dog's dead <laughs> and it's like not at all funny. Right. Just, um, and now decades and decades later, she's in her forties, like really remembering how how much she misses dog. This dog was her confidant. She would tell the dog everything. And then he just disappeared. And, and there was this betrayal around, you know, cause the parents didn't want to, um, didn't want to tell her that they were going to put him down. They didn't want to bring her that, you know, it felt uncomfortable. And I don't know for how many of our listeners can relate around the death of a pet, maybe in their childhood, or now they've got kids and um, how to handle that. And I feel like, it is much more damaging to our children to lie to them than to just be real with them and be true to them and say, yeah. you know, this is just what is. And we owe that to our kids to tell them the truth. And we're not doing anyone any favors, um, you know, to, to try and keep them safe. Right. I think that's one of the things that people say, Oh, I don't want, them to have to worry about that yet, right? Let me protect my kids from, you know, the challenging things of the world, but it's really not doing doing them any favors. Um, so I think that that's an, a, a way to begin to step into the conversation around loss and death is around pets. And I mean, I remember burying in our yard, I had hamsters all through my childhood, you know, sugar, honey, you know, um, ginger, <laughs> they're all getting these cute little, <laughs> with pantry little fuzzy, the, yeah, totally. Of all these little, um, honey, you know, it was like all these little super cute, you know, golden hamsters. My friend was, you know, breeding hamsters and she, they all came from a line from Mr. Hamster, who is like super cute, big black eyes, little fuzzy, butt. you know, they were just so cute, but you know, hamsters only live so long. So there were lots of, you know, backyard funerals of burying you know, dead hamsters and putting special rocks on top and, you know, cats and, and, um, 
dogs. So I think that that's a place to begin. And um, when I took I, uh, the training that I took, it was a sort of death doula, death midwifery, um, final passages training where we learned about conscious dying and green burial and home funerals and also um, legal rights that families have around um, the death of their loved ones that most people don't know mm-hmm. about. Um, and there were lots of these home funerals that I got to see video and photos of um, over decades. Um, and one of the ways that you can really introduce home funerals to families is to have a home funeral for the pet and have a special blanket and put flowers all around them and, you know, be able to really have the time and space to say goodbye because, you know, that's one of the most traumatic things that I've learned for individuals and families and children is when, you know, there's, there's, you know, blatant, um, betrayal of lying, you know, (laughs) that pet didn't die or that didn't happen or whatever, Mm -hmm. or when it's too much, too fast, too soon, right? Which is one definition of, of trauma. And when, when a death happens and, okay, we just go right to bury him or right to cremate or right. And there's not that time to really be with that beloved one, whether it's a cat or a human and really hold their hand you know, say goodbye, put flowers all over their body, you know, and do physical actions with that, that being, that's really, really healing when we, when we have the time that we need and each person that's going to look different. Um, But then the death is not traumatic, then it's, you know, becomes a, a beautiful um, piece of learned wisdom right about the cycles of life and what's true i think there is something so incredibly important in what you're saying and it's it turns our current cultural model on its head because i i feel like what we have in practice now is like get rid of the body so you don't have to see death because seeing death is what's going to create the trauma when really what creates the trauma is not getting to see it long enough. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, we want to deny that the thing ever existed. Um, you know, if, if folks want to look up um, Kathleen um, Dowdy, she's a fantastic um, YouTuber and author and um, mortician in LA and she wrote a book um, called "Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs?" And it's specifically for. <laughs> Isn't that great? Will my cat eat my eyeballs? It's a bright red book. I went to the book opening. I I drove up to L.A. to meet her and to get her signature on my book. Um, but it's her third book, and all three of her books are fantastic. And um, from here to eternity, and I can't remember the. I, I own all three, but I can't remember the second one. Um, but this last book, Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs, is all about, it's, it's a list of the questions that children would ask her mm. about death. And mm. she addresses each one, 
like, can grandma have a Viking funeral? And then she goes into the history, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, and will my cat eat my eyeballs? Like if I die and I'm here in the house, will my cat eat me? Like, and then she goes into the whole thing. Well, likely your cats does, is not going to really go for your eyeballs. Although, you know, they, they might eat you. (laughs) It's great. And you know, how far, you know, will, will a bear dig me up and eat me from the ground? And, you know, just, really fantastic questions that adults might not even think of. And kids are so bright. We don't often give them enough credit. They are very deep. They have Mm -hmm. souls and they deserve to be part of this conversation. So this book is great. If you have children and you're not sure where to start, that's a great book. And, and I've read that. I've, I've read that with my son, you know, when he was, he just turned seven. Um, so in his fifth and sixth year, I think, um, is reading that to him. So, so that's a great place to start with pets. Um, maybe, you know, finding that book or something funny like that. Um, because the kids are interested and they're not afraid. Right. And I think that's, I think it's like, we're afraid of our own feelings around it and yes. it feels so big. And so we think it's going to be so big for them. And it's like, I can't even handle this emotion in myself. How am I going to handle it in my kid? And, and yet kids are, they're just way more in tune with the natural rhythms of things and death is part of the natural rhythm of things. And so for them, it's like, Oh yeah, this, that happened. Like, you know, I know with, with Sana, like, I mean, she knows that she doesn't, get to experience her her uncle and her grandfather my father and my brother in the same way um that she gets to experience her aunt and her grandparents who are still alive you know um and we talk about it a lot and and i think that if you if you do have someone in your family who who you lost before the kids came into being you know talking about them it's like we're we do this thing sometimes we're like we're afraid to talk about a person after they've died um but i think it's a really important to do that to share the stories because when when we when we share the stories we're continuing the life of that person through the stories they get to they get to be um i was going through my voice memos the other day and i found an hour long conversation that we had over breakfast with my mother about my brother because Sana had all these questions about him. And I was like, okay, let's, let's record these, you know, let's, let's have a conversation about this person who you don't get to know, but you get to know through the stories and, and you, you get to know how he died and why. And, you know, um, sometimes people die in really tragic ways. Like my brother died over of a heroin addiction. Well, I'm not going to go into like, in depth, like, yes, he stuck a needle in his arm. And that's how he like, I don't go into that level of depth with my child as she gets older, I may, you know, when she first asked me how he died, I said he he was sick, because he was an addict. That's a sickness. He had a he had an illness um, that that he died from. And I think there are ways to, to talk about it, without sugarcoating it, but also without get opening up a doorway that's more than our kids can understand. Right. Right. Yeah. And we get to be the curators of the story. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and as they age, they're ready to hear other details. And I love how you're, how, you know, you set that. Yeah. That's, you're not lying to her that he was sick. He was sick. 
And then as she gets older and maybe you're having a conversation around drugs, you can say, you know, that was heroin that, you know, your uncle died from. And then she can, she can understand, oh, okay. You know, so, so I think there's age appropriate um, pieces of the story that they can get details, you know, along the way. We don't have to tell them everything, but I think being forthright and honest and, and sharing with them you know, in a way that feels right for us and in a, in a way that they're ready for is so important. I love that you shared, you had the, this long conversation with your mom and with your daughter about your brother. And she got to ask all those questions mm-hmm. and, and nobody turned away from her and that you're really sharing him and who he was in his spirit and his stories after he died. And I, I do that with, um, with my son, I have a picture um, that's always up right in front of me of my, my favorite picture of me and my dad. And my dad died um, in 2012 and my son was born in 2015. So he never got to meet his grandpa, but he knows grandpa Gil. I talk about him all the time. We blow him, my dad, when I was a kid, all the way up into adulthood. I mean, from the earliest I could remember to, right before he died. I mean, we, we would blow each other kisses. So he taught me how to, you know, kiss my hand, you know, blow it and then catch it on my cheek. And that was a thing that we did every, every night when I was headed to bed. Um, and that's something that I still do to his picture. And that's what my son does to him. Mm-hmm. And if we forget, he goes, Oh, we didn't blow kisses. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here, you know, you know, from across the room, we'll blow my dad a kiss because that's just what he and I did. And I keep that tradition alive with my son. And um, he knows Grandpa Gill's favorite foods and he knows stories and he knows, you know, so it's like he's still here because, you know, he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think the stories are so important. Um, and I, th- I think, too, you know, it, again, often I think we shy away from talking about this with our kids because we don't know how to and we're afraid of their questions. I remember yeah. when, my, when my brother died, I was working as a nanny um, for two young children. I think they were like seven and five or something like that. And, um, and because the way my brother died was so horrific, she did not tell her kids. Mm. She would not come and hug me. Like, like all I needed was a hug, right? It's like my brother oh. died in this really hor- horrific, traumatic way. But she yeah. didn't want her kids to see my grief. And she didn't want them to ask questions that she didn't know how to answer. So she just didn't tell them. Wow. And their experience was like, I just went away from their lives. And I think like we were talking about before, like you were mentioning with the dog, like to have it just go away and to have death not be a part of a conversation is so much more traumatic and yeah. so much more confusing. Right. Right. It's like, well, what happened? And and, right. and it just leaves all these questions and it's, yeah, it's so much more confusing and traumatic. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's because she didn't know, cause she wasn't ready to have a conversation about drugs with her kids, you know? Um, and so so the fact that my brother died didn't get to be a part of the conversation either. And I just, I think there are ways as I, I love that you offered that book. Um, I wrote it down. I'm going to check it out. Uh, because I, I think, I think Senna will love it. Yeah. She'll get a kick out of it. Yeah. And so will you and Daniel, all three of you will love it. Yeah. I just think it's yeah. so important to bring, 
to normalize it. Like, look, death is happening. It's happening all around us. If the last two years have shown us nothing, it's that death is here and it's in our face and it's trying to get our attention. And what is the scariest thing that's going to happen if we turn our faces to it and look? Yeah. 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 So you were saying before we we jumped on record that – you were having a conversation with Akoya recently about about death and what he wanted. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how, what that was and how it was sparked. Yeah, you know, I think I audio recorded it because when we started talking, I was like, oh, this is good. This is going to be rich. And then I wrote a, um, an e-newsletter post about it. I should, I should blog it on my website or something. It was really great. Um, but we were just sitting at the table and had one of those um, you know, sometimes we are rushed when we're eating, right? Or, but, but on good days, right? When we're, we're actually just sitting at the table, we've got a lot of space. I, I don't remember how it came up, but I started talking about, um, you know, when I die, uh, I can't remember, remember what sparked it. And I was talking about how all the different ways that, that we, um, um, looking for the right word, you know, that there's, that there's cremation, what humans do to bodies mm-hmm. that have died basically. Mm-hmm. And that, um, that, you know, I wanted to be cremated for a really long time, but then I realized I don't, I don't really want to be cremated inside. And that actually creates this, you know, environmental footprint by the act of cremation. And, you know, I, I'd love to, I, and I'm not really into, I don't think I want to be burned on a pyre. Like I, I would rather, you know, and I talked about this, there's a, uh, deep sea burials where you can take your body and bring it out to sea. And um, I wanted to do that for a while, but then if you bring family out on a boat, sometimes they get really seasick, you know, if it's, it's a, then you have all of your family super seasick because you have to go very far if it's, you know, if it's an actual body and not a thing. And it's just not as graceful as you would imagine a deep sea burial being. So I was like, Oh, it's really expensive. You got to get a ship and you got, and, um, and then you can donate your body to, you know, medical students and you can, there's air burial, there's, um, you know, sky burial, it's called. And this is, you know, and he asked like, what's that mom? And I said, well, that's yeah, I'm, I'm like, what's that? What's what that, is that? Mom? What's that, Jen? Yeah. So you can read about sky burial with um, Kathleen Dowdy because she talks about how that's, that's how she wants to get buried. And um, it's basically what they do in Tibet. So you're up in the high mountains, right. And, and a body dies, it's not really easy to, um, dig in rock Mm. to bury a body. And what they do way up there in the Himalayas is they, um, just put the body out for the vultures to eat. Mm. It's like an offering and the birds get to eat you. You know, and they, that's a they sky used burial. to do that in, in Lakota culture too. They'd actually build yeah. a platform, a raised yeah. platform. Yeah, a raised platform. And then here you go to the birds and the birds get to eat you. And um, and then your body gets to be recycled as food, you know, directly right there. And um, it's the sort of the most eco-friendly way. And um, and Caitlin's really funny how she says it. She's like, you know, I'm vegan now, but I had my time when I was eating meat. Why shouldn't the animals get a chance at me? You know, it just makes sense, uh, which I was just cracking up at it. And, and, you know, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, that's no. And then I was like, you know, I, I think I like that. And 
So Koi was like, yeah, that's what I want. I want a sky barrel. And I said, well, you know, it's actually not legal in the United States right now, but if ever becomes legal, that's what you'd want. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, and I think we also talked about, um, we also talked about our things and where would we want, you know, he has a whole concept of, you know, um, sort of things being passed down and what would happen to my things. And, you know, I asked him about, he's got all these stuffed animals, right? Little, little bears and dragons and sharks and little stuffies. Right. And I said, well, would you, would you want to give those stuffed animals to your friends? You know, would you want to give them to, you know, I named some friends. He's like, no, he's like, no, they get buried with me. (laughs) (laughs) So he wants his stuffed animals buried with him. He doesn't want anyone. He is. I was like, okay. I was like, you, you sure all of them? I mean, they're alive. You want to give some of them? He's like, no, I want them buried in me. And, and I said, what? and he said, yeah. And with little pieces of paper. And I said, well, what would the little pieces of paper be? And I'm sorry, Akoy, if you're, if you're listening to this in the future, I'm misquoting you. You'll have to, I'll have to, you know, post the actual words on a blog. But I think he said, um, I said, he said he would get buried with all of his stuffed animals and little pieces of paper. I said, well, what, what's on a little piece of paper? And he said, Oh, um, that's where people would write all of their, um, all of their wishes and prayers. Mm-hmm. And they put those on my body. I said, Oh, Oh, that's beautiful. You know? And, uh, cause I was talking about how I'd like on my body, I'd want lots of flowers. And we talked about what kind of flowers and how we go to the farmer's market every Sunday. And I love these flowers and those flowers, but maybe if they're not in season, any flowers that you like, you know, which, which so he, he's already had this conversation and I, and I talk to him often about when I die, um, you know, and when I die, hopefully it'll be, a, you know, a long time from now, but you know, if I died and you were still alive, this is what I would want. And so this is just like a casual dinner table conversation with us. So if I were to die next year, like we never know when we're going um, or any in the soon to be future um, while he's still alive, he um, he's already talked to me about it. And it's going to be way less traumatic than if we had never talked about death. That's yeah. for sure. That's for sure. And the other thing that I've started, you know, so I just encourage parents out there to really think about, oh gosh, like I don't want, I don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time thinking about what if I got into a car crash or terminal illness or, you know, died suddenly of a stroke, right. Or whatever, but it's a possibility. And if we um, start sharing with our kids now, if that did happen, they've had conversations with us. I, I say like, I, I will always be around, you know, I love you and my spirit will be here. And, mm-hmm. and I, and one of the things that I've done is I've started his Gmail account. I've made an email account for him and I've started as my phone pops up old photos. I've been emailing them to him mm-hmm. with, with notes from me so that when I die, it's, it's in my with all of my passwords and things, there's his name and his email address and the password. And I'm planning to give that to him when he turns 18. But if I die before he turns 18, he gets all those emails mm. and he'll have all these casual little messages and letters and photos from me in his email account. And that is something that, gosh, I would, you know, I inherited my dad's last journal. He didn't really journal, but he had one the last year of his life and he didn't write very much in it. And I treasure every page in that thing that he wrote in. And I wish that he had written me a letter or something to find 
after he died and I, I searched for something and he didn't, he didn't leave me anything. And I, so I, I've thought about that and said, I want, I really want to have some words that I'm consciously curating for my kid for if I die before he dies. I love that so much. And I, you know, it's like, if we can have wills, and we can have life insurance, like, why can't we do things like this? And why can't we have these conversations with our kids about we totally can, we totally can, we totally can. And, you know, I've, I've thought about, you know, um, I want to, I want to, this is an idea that I've had is get um, little cards for all of my special things that I own. You know, I should probably have a, I don't have a will right now, but I need to get an official, you know, will and things, but, um, but really to, to write about, you know, I have this, this piece of art, you know, that came from a dear friend of mine, who's a Tonka artist, right. And who would I want that to go to? And why don't I write them a card right now that says, you know, I want this to go to you. And I want you to know the story about this Mm. item that's so special to me. And this is how, this is the story about how I got this that most people don't know about when my dad was sick, you know, blah, blah, blah. And here's this magical story, how this thing came into my life. And I want you to have it because you've meant this, this, and this to me. And how amazing would that be to receive a letter like that Mm -hmm. instead of just, oh, now Jen died and who do we give this thing to? I guess it just everything goes to her kid. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, yeah, I think I Akoya knows what is going to him. Like that necklace that was my grandfather's is going to him. You know, he knows the important things that are going to be his when I die. But, you know, maybe I want a friend of mine to have this this piece of art or this, you know, sculpture or something. Um, so it can be really fun. And that's what I talk about, like when I talk about you know, grief being a creative collaborator, we can really think of it that way and make it like, for me, I think that's kind of fun. (laughs) And I don't think it's morbid at all for me to think, oh my gosh, my great, my great aunt gave me this sculpture. And who do I want to give that to after I die? And, and, and it becomes this collaboration across the veil because these little notes will be written and, um, you know, I get to speak from, you know, we all want, we all want to live forever, right. And have a legacy in some way. Um, so why not, why not create it while we're living and make some real generous, kind acts happen after we die? Mm. I love it. I love it so much. And, and- yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I've, I've another thought, but I will, I'll stop talking. So no, share it. Share it. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is um, that that is so healing. It's so funny. I have two, two little doves that have like walked by my window and they're staring in right now at us. Um, when, when somebody dies, I'll just speak to this suffering piece and the grief piece. Um, one of the most challenging things for families is that, okay, this person died and they weren't specific about maybe a do not resuscitate or they were not specific about what they wanted for their funeral memorial. And they just said, well, whatever you want, or, or I want to be cremated and that's it, right? There's, they just, I want to be buried or I want to be cremated and whatever you want. And 
I don't care. And I think that that's a sort of a common thing to hear. And then what happens is families can get into such stress and dispute over what mom would have wanted. And one of them thinks mom would have wanted that. And the other thinks mom would have wanted this. And then there's this huge family feud and families can break up over this stuff. I mean, it can just cause ridiculous divide around what that person would have wanted, especially if they, you know, are in a coma or somehow can't speak for themselves at the end of their life can really cause a lot of strife and um, division in families. And so when we think, oh, I, I don't need to think about that, or I'll just let them decide. Instead, if we start thinking about that, not when we're quote unquote old, but when we're young and youthful and there's nothing wrong with us, we have no terminal diagnosis and we're you know, 40, whatever, 30, whatever, and just live in our lives. That's the time to really think about these things because if we get a terminal illness, a diagnosis of a stage four cancer or something, the last thing we want to do is talk about our funeral because we're, we're on a trajectory to heal, right? Mm-hmm. I'm doing all the things to heal, all the Western clinical trials and all the Eastern, you know, meditations and all the things that's was the case with my dad. He had a stage four prostate cancer and we really were, we were on a healing journey, right? So he didn't want to talk about his funeral Mm. um, or what to do with his ashes because he was trying to focus on, um, on healing. So if we can do that work when we're healthy and well, the gift is, this is like beyond just the will, but here are the songs I want played. Mm-hmm. at my memorial and that here are my favorite here are my top 12 favorite songs that I want you to remember me by here's what I want played at my funeral here's my favorite flower here's you know whatever those kind of things then it's such a gift to your family because they can look and go oh my gosh they wanted sunflowers or birds of paradise and you can put those out and everyone can like breathe a sigh of relief like we did what they wanted so instead of so I, I, I want people to flip that scenario. If I don't, I want to be generous and just let them decide. Actually, it's generous if you can make some real clear, thoughtful decisions. Because when people are grieving, they don't, it's hard to make all those little it's decisions. It's hard to make any decision. Any decision. When, when somebody dies, it's like, well, what flowers? I don't know. What, where, did, where do you want their, you know, donations to go? I don't know. What, what songs do you want played? Good Lord. I don't know. So if you do that in advance and go, here's my playlist, here are the flowers I love, you know, here's what I want, A, B, C, D. And don't worry if you can't make it all of that happen, but I, but here are some specifics to make it easier for you. That can do a world of, of good for, for just ease and grace in the very beginnings of that grieving process that can feel so challenging and heavy. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, you shared so much value with us here today. And um, I just want to, again, speak gratitude for you being on this path and, and doing this work and, and, you know, talking to your kid about it and, yeah, and modeling how to prepare um, for the inevitable, whenever it comes, um, I think mm-hmm. there really is something about making friends with death. 
yeah. allows us to live more fully. Yes. Um, Absolutely. And not not that I mean we might we might still be afraid of dying and is it going to hurt and what's it going to feel like and and you know no one really knows what happens after you die um, even with all the myriad experiences we may have had and encounters we may have had um you know there can be a, a great question in that but i think there's still just acknowledging like that this is going to happen someday and it's okay um there's a lot of power in that. And, yeah. you know, I have that conversation with Sana. I've had a lot of, you know, what, what happens if you die? And just knowing like our hearts will always be connected no matter what. Yeah. No matter what. And that is, that is real and true. And I can stand firmly and solidly in the knowing of that. Cause I still have that with, with my ancestors who I love, who, who crossed over, you know, I still mm-hmm. can feel their heart. I can still feel that love. Um, and that, that doesn't go away and that doesn't die. Yeah. So again, Jen, thank you so much, um, for sharing yourself with us today. Um, can you tell people again where they can go to find out more about you? Yeah, absolutely. They can go to my website, which is www walk through grief with grace.com walk through grief with grace.com or my podcast is also same name walk through grief with grace and you can find that on apple spotify or anywhere you find podcasts awesome thank you so much jen thank you so much it's been so fun to talk to you yeah yeah and to our listeners thank you for tuning in your listening makes this all worthwhile. And so I know there was a lot of value provided here. You probably know someone who you want to share this episode with, go ahead and do it. And, and if you have not yet come to check out our community offerings over at superpowerexperts.com, please come and play with us, dip your toes in the water. We've got a lot of juicy stuff we're doing over there and um, ways to just come and be in a space that's filled with love, that's filled with spirit, that's filled with energy. Um, There's good people and good things happening over there. So come and join us at superpowerexperts.com. And until next time, reclaim your parenting journey as a sacred one for yourself, for your children, and for the world. Many Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.